Hello and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kurt Kinsey, and I am flying solo once again tonight. Josh is feeling under the weather. Uh, we hope that he is better soon and able to join us when LAFC faces Vancouver. But for tonight, we're only talking about the Seattle match. And once again, LAFC has gone down 3-0 in a shutout loss. And at this point, I know that everybody's angry and you have every right to be because there are serious flaws with the way this team plays, with the way this team is constructed, and the way that the powers that be, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, can point to a handful of results like San Jose or Portland and try to obfuscate the point that this team is not performing well at all. Um, in the last nine matches, they have lost seven and won two. They have scored a total of 10 goals and conceded 17. Uh, I'm sure most of you caught it on the broadcast that LAFC are both now the league leaders in goals scored and goals conceded. Um, I should add that those that those goals, out of those 10 goals, nine of them came in two games where they essentially flat track the opponent, the San Jose and the, and the Portland match. Um, listen, this team has faced adversity in, you know, an injury to Carlos. Uh, and then he obviously wasn't there in the tournament. So that, that does hurt this team. I'm not, I'm not going to um, try and blame them for that, but they've had a long time to put this together. We've seen them play well about him in the past. And when you know that you're going to be missing the league's leading goal scorer, and as, as of right now, the best offensive threat in the league, you cannot play so recklessly. You cannot continually give up set-piece goals. You cannot play with such a disorganized back line. You cannot play with a disorganized midfield. It's just something that you cannot do. They have to be realistic about what they have right now and adjust. That's the only way this gets fixed. And I know that even Josh and I have been on here talking about Bob plays LAFC football and he's going to play it until the day he dies, basically. Um, and to a certain extent, I, I respect that and I want him to do that. But this cannot go on any longer. You cannot continually play with such a porous back line and nonchalant midfield or these results are going to continue to happen. And today's game, um, I feel like LAFC was put in a tough position because they did concede two penalties on two set pieces for which they were culpable. They, I'm not going to excuse them at all. And we'll talk about why LAFC doesn't really have a bone to pick with the ref unless it's that he missed a... Uh, a penalty on the other end. Um, but LAFC giving up two penalties in the first 30 minutes or so without Carlos Vela 
is basically a death knell because this team cannot get through a bunker defense. And Seattle at that point has no uh, no motivation to get forward, no motivation to open up at all. They can bunker and just let LAFC possess the ball for the entire you know 60 minutes that remain in the match because they're never coming back from a 2-0 deficit. It's not going to happen because Seattle's too good defensively. And as soon as they pull back, it's over because we're not going to be able to break them down given the state of our midfield and our, and our forwards. Um, a few other things along those lines. When you see Adrian Perez and Danny Musovski coming on in the 60th minute or whatever it is that, that they're coming on, that either on purpose or implicitly is concession. This goes back to roster construction. I don't know if Bob is just saying, you know what, we're done for. Let's just pack up and get the boys some rest. But it is absolutely concession. If you bring on Adrian Perez and Danny Musovski for uh, Rodriguez and Bradley and Bradley Wright Phillips, it's concession time because they're not nearly as good as those other two players. Uh, even if you do have misgivings about Brian Rodriguez, who's the current assist leader on ML, uh, on uh, on LAFC, um, it's not good enough. And when you look at our back line, Jakovic is starting again. And to be fair, I think Jakovic is a pretty good center back, and I think he acquitted himself quite well, um, being able to get back and and defend. The few times that Seattle did jump out and counter, I think on his handball, he's the only one that recognizes where that ball is going. He's able to recover and start to jockey for position with Rui Diaz and is a little bit unfortunate as he tries to turn Diaz away from Rui Diaz away from the away from the ball and it catches his elbow. It's absolutely a handball, but again, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Rui Diaz is left wide open. And Yakovic is left scrambling to, to try and do something. And as he's scrambling, he gets caught with his with his elbow out away from his body. Um, but yeah, the who is behind him tonight? Who is your backup center back? It's Jordan Harvey, that's it. Danilo Silva, as far as I know, wasn't even in the in the 18. And you can say Eric Duenas is going to be the backup center back, and that's fine. I'm all about kids coming through. But he's a 15-year-old, and he's, he's not ready for prime time. This team is so thin, so thin at center back that it's absolutely terrifying. Um, even if you do have Traore and Blackman healthy, you're still too thin at center back. And that's got to change. I know there were some rumors about LAFC being linked to Tim Parker. Uh, If I'm John Thornton tomorrow morning, I am on the phone with Red Bulls offering whatever they want. Whatever they want, give it to them. Because this team is in emergent need of of a center back that can give you quality minutes that can move Blackman back out to the out to right back or whatever it is that you're planning on doing with that back line. But you need some sort of stability that you can count on for 90 minutes a match, every single match. Because again, this hodgepodge, uh, 
sort of back line that we have that just seems to rotate over and over and over and over again is not going to cut it. Um, let's talk about the goals for a second. Both uh, the first two came on penalties. The third one came as LAFC was really trying to press. And uh, I don't, I don't really know what you can say about that one, except for again, Segura's Segura's in the midfield. We're chasing the game. So Segura's trying to press into the midfield. Uh, and somebody finds really Diaz who puts a great move on Jakovic and it's over. Um, but the first two goals, I did tweet about this. So if you do want to go take a look, I have some short threads with screenshots of, of those plays, but it's the first one LAFC gives up. This is the Jakovic handball. And once again, it's a two phase set, uh, set piece where Seattle take a quick short corner and so that's phase one, right? The ball goes back and you see LAFC start to disorganize a little bit, trying to figure out who's going to cover where, what are we doing? And during that time, you see Rui Diaz left all by himself in the middle of the box. Mark Anthony Kay, uh, I think it was Janela and Jakovic are all kind of in a triangle with Rui Diaz in the middle. And Lodero is able to drop a pass right in the middle of that. So again, we're talking about zone of marking. Um, and nobody's in zone to, to win that ball. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. When you, when you use zonal marking on stuff like this, the whole point is to defend your zone and win the ball. Uh, the problem is nobody's in that zone but Rui Diaz. Jankovic notices this. It's a fair play to him. He does a great job picking up on this uh, and is able to close space before the ball gets there and he starts jockeying for position with Rui Diaz. As the ball arrives, his elbow comes up as he's trying to turn goal side of Rui Diaz. And uh, that's when the ball hits his elbow away from his body. And then VAR checks it. And sure enough, it's a handball. Uh, so that's the first one. The second one, to me, is more of a problem, which is funny because it actually starts out well defended. Um, where this one didn't start out well defended, it took a great individual effort to even uh, come close to it, and then Jakovic gets a little bit unlucky. But the second one starts out with Mark Anthony Cave making a silly challenge in midfield and then becoming very indignant with the ref over this challenge. And keep in mind, this is just, you know, two and a half, three minutes after the first penalty was given. So Mark Anthony Kay is now arguing with the ref in midfield uh, over a call that was, uh, you know, it was warranted. There's no, you know, get up, defend your zone, do your thing. No need to really argue. Um, and Seattle lobs a ball towards the back post and LAFC defends this pretty well. You see everybody in their zone. Seattle doesn't have a whole lot of people on the line to begin with. Um, and then from out of nowhere, Latif Blessing comes out of his zone and man marks, I can't remember who it was, uh, whoever the, the Seattle attacker was on the back post and decides that he's going to man mark unilaterally while everybody else's zone is zonal marking. And Cisniega, you hear him call the ball. You notice that he calls the ball because Cifuentes pulls off of his run and Latif just barrels right through the back of the Seattle attacker. Uh, and Pablo Cisniega picks up the ball comfortably, and everybody's shocked when the ref blows his whistle because, look, the keeper got the ball, it's all over, uh, let, just let us play. 
But again, Latif comes from <laughs> out of nowhere where he's, you know, out on the wing, making sure that they don't play, uh, play short to the wing and run straight through the back of this Seattle attacker for no reason at all. Because as soon as Cisniega calls for that ball, he needs to bail on whatever it is that he's doing. Uh, but instead, he barrels right through the back, and it's another penalty. And at this point, the game is over. Lodero hasn't even put in the second penalty yet, and the game is essentially over. Because at this point, LAFC are beaten. Uh, Cisniega makes a good attempt on it, gets a hand to it, but it's just shot with too much power. Falls in the back of the net. And now LAFC has 60 minutes to pull back two goals for a draw. Uh, again, with their main offensive threat unavailable. And it just proves to be too much. Um, for the life of me, I don't know what Latif is doing. I don't know what he saw in that play that made him think, that ball is in my zone, I need to go win it. To me, it looks like he decides, oh, that guy's unmarked. I'm going to go mark him. And he certainly does mark him right into the ground. Uh, and everybody, once again, is indignant with the ref. I don't, I would like to give the ref a little more courtesy than to say that it's unprofessional of him to take the, the guff that Mark Anthony K had just given him in the midfield about his one call. And then you see Mark Anthony K kind of involved in this challenge. And the ref makes a very quick decision on the penalty. Um, I'm not saying it was total retaliation, but I'm also not saying that it wasn't warranted because if you look at the laws of the game, and this is another thing I tweeted at the end of this thread on this set piece specifically, uh, Latif clearly charges through the back in a careless manner. Um, and whether that ball was going to land on that attacker's head or not, doesn't really matter. Um, is it harsh? Yes, but it's not like you can't make a good case for that for that penalty to be for that penalty to be called. And like I said, after this, it's it's essentially over because Seattle can just pull back. They don't really have to do anything. Both those plays came against the run of play, um, and Seattle is able to get two easy goals. And after that, there's nothing LAFC can really can really do to look all that dangerous. Um, so supremely frustrating that once again, LAFC are undone on set pieces, which have been a problem all season long. They're not going to get any better in this current, uh, with this current roster. Um, and with the current training regimen, obviously, because if it hadn't happened by now, it's, I, I really don't think it's going to happen. So it's something that we're going to have to live with. We're going to have to wait till Carlos comes back and we can get some more goals and hopefully jump out ahead of teams faster. If we can jump out ahead of teams, uh, it, it does help because that opens up the press for us as other teams are now chasing us. Um, so LAFC are one of those teams where if you can bottle them and score first somehow, you're going to probably win. But if you do concede an early goal, it's probably going to be a long, long night. But again, without Vela, that doesn't happen very often. And LAFC in these past nine games have only scored in three of them. Three. They scored against Seattle the first time. 
They scored uh, five against San Jose and four against Portland. All the other games have been shutouts since Orlando. That is atrocious. And again, if it's me, tomorrow morning I'm on the phone and I am signing Tim Parker. Whatever I have to do to make it happen, obviously I'm not going to trade away Carlos Vela or or Atuesta for it. But in terms of draft picks, in terms of whatever MLS funny money, make it happen. Just go for it. Take all that money that you've that you've saved on Dio's contract and throw that at a striker somewhere. Because, again, look at who you're bringing off the bench. You're bringing in Danny Musovsky, who's had a pair of nice goals in, in these blowout wins that we've had. But he's not a threat. He's not somebody that you bring on when you're down 2 or 3 nil, and thinking to yourself, yeah, we can still do this. You're bringing him on saying, well, you know, he might... You might do something, maybe, but there's nothing certain about any of it. So having said all that, let's go ahead and get to your questions. There were a lot tonight. It seems like on, on these on these bad nights, it's kind of good for the show um, as people are, are typically pretty fired up and ready to uh, send in hot takes and, and questions. And as always, we... Uh, me and Josh really appreciate that. All right, the first one I got is from Tycho BNG at Tycho Blue. Silva is not hurt and not on the bench. He's taking up both the senior and international spot with two center backs hurt, leaving. Uh, checks notes, Jordan Harvey. What is this? Kind of touched on this earlier. I don't know what it is. I, It's mind-boggling. That's why the, the Tim Parker rumors... Uh, made a lot of sense to me. Um, it seems kind of silly to have sold Walker Zimmerman, never brought in a true replacement, and now have be looking at guys like Tim Parker, which is essentially what I see Walker Zimmerman as, as a good MLS uh, above-average defender for the league who can um, really help you tamp down the, the back line, um, except Tim Parker's older. Uh, but here we are. The reality is Walker is gone. He's not coming back and LAFC still needs help. So to me, that's, that's the number one priority right now because you have to get the back line back into some sort of shape. And it's a great point about Silva because he is in an, he is uh, taking up an international spot, which is kind of odd considering how long he's been in the league that he doesn't have a green card or anything like that. But Regardless, he's taking an international spot. He's not hurt. He's not in the 18. He's just too old. That's it. He's, he can't go. And I know that he and Bob and uh, the staff have a long history with him. But man, this team is hurting. This team is hurting for center back depth. And currently you're carrying one who is precluding you from making other signings. So it's to the detriment of the rest of the team that Silva is on is on the roster. And at this point it's unacceptable. Now maybe they're just waiting to announce, you know, maybe LAFC do typically wait till the end of the transfer window before everything's announced or finalized or whatever it is. But man, 
the end of the transfer window can't come soon enough if that's the case because this team is desperate for help. And hopefully uh, they can find a center back and Silva's on his way out because there's no sense in keeping him. Um, next, we got a sequence from Alistair Christie at Christie Alley. I'm going to try and get these in order. Uh, Latif, I blame Latif. That was brutal from him, barring a couple decent moves in the final third in the first half. Positioning was brutal at right back. Terrible passing for 90 minutes. His first touch was appalling. Um, yeah, uh, Latif is frequently out of position. He's out of position. Like I just, I, I feel like I went on forever about that set piece. Um, first touch is never going to be there at this point. It's okay. What you get from Latif is good. You can use him well. I feel like if he does learn to play, if he does learn and get more reps at right back, he's going to be a good fit there. But, man, just pretty brutal tonight. Uh, Brian, this is still Aleister Christie, by the way. Brian, he's got to take on his man. When he slows down nine times out of ten, the defender takes away the ball. Dead ball delivery is excellent, but we need more from him. So again, his set piece delivery is great. That's a good point. And he does, he does, he will, he will stop and size up a defender. And it seems like that's where he gets into trouble. If he just decides that he's going to blow by his man, he gets by him every time. Um, I think this is going to, this is Alistair going back to Latif. Look at his first touch on the through ball from Atuesta that's called offside. It's brutal. Yeah, I think that was towards the end. Uh, Latif's up on the right wing, and Atuesta serves in a ball from like the left, kind of like zone 14 area. Um, and Latif is offside. And yeah, it's not even close because he's trying to, I mean, it's tough to pull the ball out of the air when you're in the air yourself, but it's just not good enough. Continuing with Alistair. Midfield, first half nice on the ball, but facing a team that wants to turn it over. Our reactions are way too slow, yet somehow we overcommit and our back line is massively exposed. Uh, man, a lot, to, a lot to analyze there. I think, again, being nice on the ball is the difference between having Janela and having Blessing in there. Um, when you take off Blessing, or when you take off Janela to make room for Blessing in the midfield and you bring on Nahar at, at right back, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get somebody who is much more frantic, much more high-paced, probably going to give you a lot more in the press, um, and it's going to help you win the ball further up the pitch a little bit more than Janela will. But, yeah, I mean, the other thing that Josh and I have talked about before is Latif is going to hit between one and three passes a game that will make you, uh, that will make you feel things. They're going to be great passes. And I feel like he trades on those on those passes and his overall effort and just the happiness that he exudes. Uh, those are the things that he trades on as opposed to his any kind of calming presence in the midfield or, or truly uh, dangerous offensive ability. Um, I think there's one more from Alistair here. Goalkeeping. Wow, Pablo cannot pass to save his life. Seems to talk, seems to not talk at all and is not sure whether to come or go for crosses. At this point, we may as well give Ejimadu a shot. Yeah, um, I have been very vocal the past couple of weeks about Pablo Cisniega and the fact that he is not a fit for the overall style. But once again, we see LAFC have put themselves in a difficult roster situation because 
you have Vermeer on big money and he's not working out and you have Cisniega on smaller money and he's at least a good stop, a good shot stopper. Um, so I'm willing to, I'm willing at this point to deal with Cisniega not being able to play the ball with his feet. If only for his confidence in, in stopping shots. Um, because that's where I feel like he is above average. Um, but man, it is brutal. I, I tweeted right at the beginning of the game. LAFC starts with the kickoff. They slowly work possession back towards Cisniega. And a, there's, just, there's not a whole lot of pressure. I, I feel like there was only one one uh, Seattle Sounder pressing. It was probably Rui Diaz. And the ball makes it back to Palacios or Segura on the left side of the defense. And they play it back to Cisniega. And again, there's plenty of time, but he just clears the ball long down downfield. And again, the problem with that is for a team that wants to possess, you need to be able to drop the ball all the way back to the keeper, right? This is Cruyff, yeah, that the keeper is the first attacker. Well, when that first attacker on your team does nothing but put in uh, balls that require an aerial 50-50, from our uh, from our midget squad up up front, it's just it's not it's not a fit. Uh, it's just not going to be good because uh, it's it for a team that wants to possess the ball, you have to be able to drop to your keeper and then redistribute from there. The whole idea is suck in all the pressure that you can and then start to play the ball through a disorganized defense. Um, that's how possession teams play all over the world. And the keeper is one of the most important, uh, is one of the most important players in that, in that formation, in that style. Because at any given time, you need to be able to turn around and play a long ball if you're overwhelmed. Uh, back to the keeper and then be able to build back out from there. So it's just, it is frustrating to watch, but... At least I feel like he's stopping shots. All right, next one. Donuts at Steely Zidane. I find it odd that Brian Rodriguez went 90 minutes in the first two pre-COVID regular season games, Miami and Philly, and every single Orlando bubble game, but has only gone 90 once in the seven games since restart. You know what? That is a really interesting point. Um, man, I'm kind of caught off guard. and I don't have Josh... <laughs> I don't have Josh here to just kick it over to. Uh, so sorry as I, as I try and think through this one, but uh, not leave too much dead air for the show. Um, I mean, the only explanation that I could come up with is because the games are coming in such, in such rapid succession that you have to, you have to give him some rest. But man, sometimes it really does feel like Bob thinks that, you know, Adrian Perez is going to give you something that, that Rodriguez isn't. I, I don't know. It's really bizarre. I, again, I don't really like the way subs have gone post COVID at all. Uh, I, I really have come to loathe, even though I used to kind of take delight in the fact that we could move blessing around and be more creative with subs. Uh, but now that it's starting to really bother me, the idea that you continually push guys all over the field uh, as if it were some youth soccer game. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of that, especially when it's messing with the back line of the midfield who just 
both position groups are just begging for some sort of consistency so they can get going. So yeah, I, I don't know why I don't I don't know why Brian's being pulled off so early now, um, as opposed to what was going on during the tournament or before that. Tyco BNG again at Tyco Blue. The whole team looks off, like just going through the motions. Pancho, Raito, and K have poor games. Nahar has little to no recovery speed for the type of style we play, but he looked calm on the ball. K was poor for me. Um, I've been really critical of Nahar so far, um, as I don't think he is a strong defender whatsoever. Uh, again, go look at what Justin Miram and... Uh, Who's the left back from Portland? Now I can't think of his Jorge Villafania. Um, look at the way that they abuse him and then consider that neither of them is a DP. Neither of them. Uh, one of them is just a left back. Uh, the other one is a left winger. So I mean, ni neither of them are really known for uh, taking guys on 1v1 one, one, one one and skinning them. But Nahar made them look like world-class uh, dribblers. Uh, I did think that he showed some burst when he gets on the ball. He's able to beat defenders with speed, and his delivery is pretty good. Uh, I noticed that last game he had a great pass to BWP, and I think uh, he ended up being offside on that one. And tonight I felt like he had a good ball as well. I think it may have been he beat his defender and then played a ball like back towards the spot from the right wing. Um but every once in a while, he'll hit a pass that's like, oh, maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's what they're seeing, right? This sort of playmaking fullback. Uh, but yeah, his defending isn't isn't good enough. And for a team that's bleeding goals like we are, uh, I would just at this point much rather have somebody who's more solid back there. Um, Jonathan Evans at Evans at Law responds to that one. The going through the motions thing, I agree. Is it lack of fans making it seem like a practice? Does Atuesta have to be there to show everyone how it's done? I'm really starting to wonder where the energy is. This is a good question. I mean, all of these matches, except for the, the ones where we've won, so San Jose and Portland, uh, it seems like nobody really wants to be there. Like everybody's out of ideas. Everybody's sick of doing whatever they're doing. So I don't know if it's a if it's a multitude of things. The, the tough thing, though, is... Everybody else is going through the same situations, really. I mean, I guess the California teams, California, Oregon, Seattle, they're also dealing with the fires on top of everything else that 2020 is throwing our way. But uh, all these other teams are affected by the same exact things that LAFC are. And arguably, Galaxy are the ones that are going through the exact same things that LAFC are. And they're finding loads of success, right? Their big uh, international star in Chicharito has been injured. So is Vela, um, and it seems like they're able to, to find the right gear, find the right balance, and they don't look like they don't want to be out on the field. LAFC is not the, not the same. I don't know. And to Jonathan's point, maybe they're just not, maybe they're used to playing in front of no fans. I have no idea. Next one is from uh, Ozzy Barajas, at Ozzy343. Can I get your un biased opinion on the disallowed goal. I think this is the one that BWP put in. Um, I don't remember who plays the pass into Rossi. Rossi, to me, looks onside when he gets that ball. I think it's threaded through the Seattle left back and the left center back, if I remember correctly. Rossi's onside. And as he shoots, BWP is offside. 
So Rossi shoots. Uh, the keeper parries the ball away and it falls to BWP's feet. And that's when he's offside because when Rossi shoots the ball, uh, BWP is in a, is in a offside position and on the rebound, uh, he then becomes offside. It's kind of a confusing part of the offside rule, but, uh, to me, he is definitely offside. Uh, last one. And I am sorry that I'm about to, uh, butcher your name. Salar Rajabnik, uh, and his handle is the same. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, man. Uh, please tweet at us and let me know if I got it right or how I can correct it for next time uh, because I hate messing up people's names. Uh, Latif's been personally responsible for countless mistakes directly leading to our recent losses, and this was no exception. Constantly out of position, abhorrent decision-making, frantic energy with no control, wild first touch, Constantly giving the ball away. Again, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm happy that I'm not the only one that's coming after a fan favorite. Again, he's one of our favorites in this house too because he is, he is fun to watch and he will come up with moments of brilliance and big moments. Um, but tactically, he is a bit of a mess. He's all over the place. Uh, and he's one that if you need one guy to chase somebody else down, he'll do it. But if there's anybody back to cover, he's probably not making that run. And it's most likely because he's too far out of position. And especially at right back where, you know, when he's playing center midfield, especially in that anti-10 role that Josh and I talked so much about, he's got a lot of freedom to roam and to press the ball and make tackles, which is what he's good at. He's, he's a good defender, 1v1. He's good at um, he's good at chasing guys down. Um, but he's not great at holding a position. He's not great at his awareness on the ball. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen him, whether he's playing right back or center mid or even right wing sometimes, uh, how many times have we seen Latif pick up a ball in our own half and start to dribble and all you can think is pass, 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 because here comes the opposing left winger from, from uh, you know, deep in our half to track back and win the ball off of him. Um, and how many goals have been scored because they're able to pick up a ball off of Latif when he should have passed much, much earlier. Um it's a constant theme. And again, his lack of awareness on that second set piece is really what does in the team. We could have come back from one goal because I think Seattle are still going to be respecting our offense a little bit more. But once we go down 2-0, it's over. They're going to pull back and there's no need to press at all because they can give up one. They got their insurance goal. They're good. Um, so yeah, to me, Latif, Latif is a problem. Um, I think he's part of the solution at right back for right now. If, like I've said a handful of times, if he plays there consistently and learns to play that position a little more in a, in a more disciplined manner, um, still allowing him to get forward when appropriate. But man, on a night like tonight, luckily it didn't come off, but Jordan Morris was frequently left unmarked behind him I don't know how many times the ball was on the other side of the field. Uh, 
And again, that's a guy who we've personally been burned by. We don't have to watch, you know, what he does to the other teams in the league. He's done it to us. Um, and leaving him unmarked on that side, even with somebody as fast as Latif, just seems like a recipe for disaster. Uh, we've made a lot about his uh, first touch on the show. Um, the other thing I, I just don't think his passing is that great. Again, he'll come up with one to three passes a, a game that really uh, make you feel good and get you excited. And oftentimes there's somebody on the end of that ball to, to put it in the back of the net. But man, overall, it's just not good enough. And to me, Latif should be uh, the starting right back for now until we figure out what the heck we're doing at center back and we decide if Blackman's going to stay at center back or right back or if he's going to move to the bench. And then Latif becomes kind of a Swiss Army knife again in terms of substitutions. Uh, if you need a center a center midfielder to come in and press, or if you need somebody to shore up the back line, you go to three center backs or something like that, you want to put them at, at wing back at the end of a the game, then that's fine. Um, but to me, it's, it's time. It's time to figure out something else to do with them because uh, it does create problems for us. Uh, the, the tough thing is right now is where do you pivot? How do you pivot away from him? Because uh, we don't have a right back. Uh, Nahar is injured and Blackman is injured. We don't have a full center midfield because Atwest is injured. And apparently Janela can't go a full 90. Um, And we don't really need him on the wings because that's the one place we have depth, even though the depth there isn't great. You're talking about, again, Adrian Perez. I, I don't know. I, I truly just don't know what to do with this roster until they sign a center back and a striker. And again, for me, you got to go out and you have to sign a right back because Nahar is not the guy. Uh, maybe he will be, but he's not going to be at the season, I don't think, uh, given the, how sparingly he's been used. And uh, maybe maybe today was a good, a, good, uh, a good sign. I think he played the entire second half. So maybe he's almost there where he can start and go 60 and then come off. Um, But yeah, they need in this window, starting center back, starting striker, because they are not good enough and they're not going to be good enough until some of these personnel issues are fixed. And even once Atuesta and Vela come back, um, I still feel like you need a striker because you don't have a number nine that can go 90. Uh, I'm sure Musavski can, can get out there and run for 90 minutes, but he's not good enough to trust over 90 minutes. Um, and I really hate the idea of playing Vela through the middle when we know what he can do from the right wing. And their reluctance to put Rossi at the nine, like I think would be best, uh, leads me to believe that he's not going to be there. So, to me, the starting lineup eventually at the end of this transfer window and when you get Vela back needs to be Cisniega, Palacios, Segura, uh, whatever center back they sign, Blackman, um, then Atuesta, Janela, Cifuentes, uh, 
starting in the left wing would be Rossi, Stryker to be yet be a striker yet to be signed, and Vela. With Rodriguez coming in as you need, um, and Latif and Kay both off the bench. Latif, maybe he's a starting right back. I don't know. I, I don't really care. Um, but to me, that's what you have to get to. And in order to get there, again, those two signings need to happen. And quite frankly, they can't happen soon enough because this team is in absolute shambles and looks like they will not make the playoffs. If the rest of the season looks like this, lose seven, win two, they're not making the playoffs. Um, and that would be a spectacular failure on the part of the front office to have the best team in MLS history and then miss the playoffs altogether the next year. Uh, COVID or no COVID, it's, that's unacceptable. Anyway, that's all I got for you tonight. Thank you so much for joining the show. I'm sorry that so many of these episodes have been so much doom and gloom lately. Uh, I don't know if it's good to commiserate. I don't know if I am a total downer. Uh, let us know. Tweet at the show at counterpress underscore. Tweet at me at Kirk Kinsey or let Josh know uh, how stupid I am at LAFC Josh. You can tell him all about it. And that's all we have for tonight. We'll talk to you next Wednesday after the Vancouver match. Thanks.